0: Um, What's up everybody? Uh, My name is Michael Loveday and I'm really excited to be here with you. I'm on staff with Campus Collective. I'm also the youth director with HCC. So getting to be here with you guys is awesome and something that I get to look forward to every single week. Um, But tonight we're going to be taking a break. We're going to be taking a break from Colossians and we're going to be looking at the book of Matthew in chapter 6 verses 19 through 34. Um, But first I I would love to be transparent with you guys. I would love to be vulnerable and open. Uh, And tonight's passage is going to be covering anxiety. It's going to be be covering treasures and it'll be covering trust. Um, These are all three things that I struggle with so much. Over the last year and a half, this is something that I've been going through and pleading and fighting with God to continue to take this from me. Um, Either it's from the loss of my mom, uh, the pandemic... Um, fighting for a job that I haven't gotten or praying for. Um, So there's a lot of uncertainty that I've been struggling with. Um, So I wanted to be open with you guys because I feel that the Lord has placed this on my heart to teach and to explain and to share what the Lord is doing because I feel like some of you are struggling with the same thing. And that's okay. Um, We're going to wrestle through this together. We're going to continue fighting and working alongside one another even after tonight. But like I said, the passage tonight is going to be covering the topic of anxiety and treasure. Um, And it's going to be on the Sermon on the Mount. But focusing around the idea that our anxiety shows what our true treasure is. But what exactly is treasure? Are we talking about the treasure that is at the end of the rainbow that leprechauns talk about? Or are we talking about Pirates of the Caribbean where they're putting an X in the sand and talking about that? Um, It could be. But in our context today, I don't think that's necessarily what we're going to be talking about or seeing. Um, It could be a multitude of many different things. Uh, For instance, like we treasure our money. We treasure homes. We treasure our jobs. We treasure our friends, families, loved ones. We treasure our degree in our school. um, We treasure our technology. And we treasure comfort and self-image. These are just a couple to name that surveys have said and scholars have said are some of the top and the most popular ones. Um, And every single one of these treasures, I want you to understand, they cause anxiety. It can lead to that. Uh, For instance, like becoming anxious about your money or your job and the fact that if you do not have those things or that security can lead to worrying about we could lose our home, we could lose scholarships, we could lose school, we could lose, etc. But also about schooling. It is very easy for you all, even whenever I was in school, to become very anxious about school and focusing solely on our grades, solely on studying and neglecting people in our life and other things that are very important. And what I feel like most of us has probably have been struggling with and anxious about over the past year and a half is the pandemic. Um, struggling and focusing on family members and friends and loved ones, making sure that they are okay. The amount of times that I have stressed about my wife, my friends, my loved ones, um, if they're safe, what if they get the virus, what are the ramifications if they get the virus, and how long the effects could last. These are all things that we can worry about and become anxious about. But before we go any further, I want to make sure that I say this and make sure that you understand that I understand that anxiety and worrying is a very serious thing. Sometimes medical conditions need to take place and medical stuff needs to happen to be able to help fight those anxieties, to help fight the anxiety and the troubles and the worries of everything that's going on. So I don't want us to downgrade or neglect the seriousness that that is. Because caring about these things is not wrong. I don't want you to think that caring about your schooling, caring about a job, or caring about family or loved ones is wrong, because it's not. But what I want us to understand and see tonight is the main idea of this sermon, and it's having our treasures in the wrong place can lead to a lack of trust that we have in Christ. So caring about these things are not wrong, but it's whenever that care turns into anxiety that we need to look at it and say, this is wrong. Because our trust in the Lord is clearly not there if anxiety is present. So with that idea in mind, and tonight, as we go through this sermon and this passage, I want us to really focus on three truths. That we are to pursue heavenly treasures over our earthly treasures. We are to pursue good, not evil. And we are to pursue God because he is in control. That is my prayer tonight. My prayer tonight is that we would see the Lord in this passage, that he would speak to us and that he would work through us, that we would be able to cast over our treasures and anxiety at the foot of the cross. Like we sung earlier, I would pray that we would be able to say, we trust you, we trust you, your way is higher than our own. That is my prayer tonight. And I pray that we understand that and see that as we go through these verses. But with that said, and everything that I've already done and said, I want us to look at these verses, verses 19 through 34 and chapter six of Matthew And break the verses down as we go. Verse 19 says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is a lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body and what you put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? In which which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these." For tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day. Is it on its own trouble? Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you humbly tonight where this is something that I struggle with. Where I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with having my treasures in the wrong spot. And Lord, ultimately, I struggle with trusting you at times whenever trials come. Lord, I pray for tonight that we would see you and trust you and that we would cast our anxieties, our worries, our fears, and our treasures at your feet and see that you are good and that you are enough. Lord, be with us tonight as we continue going through your word. And I pray that you would speak to us and that you would be here with us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So just to give a little bit of background. We haven't been spending a lot of time in Matthew. We've been in Colossians. So I've jumped into chapter six. The Sermon on the Mount starts in chapter five. So what exactly is Jesus doing? What is happening? So Jesus is speaking to a multitude of people in the Sermon on the Mount. Most likely he's on top of the mountain. The sermon is called Sermon on the Mount. Um, But he is probably on the sea coast of Galilee. The purpose of these sermons have multiple reasons and multiple purposes. Most likely, it is talking about the characteristics that we are supposed to see in God, but also to call out the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. But this section of scripture is not to just teach men and women how to live to get into the kingdom of God, but how men and women in the kingdom should live. This whole passage, this whole Sermon on the Mount is to be focused around discipleship. I mean, Jesus himself, he is talking to his disciples for the most part, and the crowd is overhearing what Jesus is saying to his disciples. So, this is not a good deeds checklist to where you can just say, okay, I did that, I'm good there. Jesus is mostly speaking to his disciples. So, what I want us to see tonight is just that. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. We see that this is all characteristics of God and that this is all calling out the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. But in verse 19, it shows us that we are to, verses 19 through 21, it shows us that we are to be pursuing heavenly treasures over earthly treasures. Verse 19 through 21 says again, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Looks like, if we look at these first few verses for a moment, the verses begin to show the brokenness of men and women in this passage, but also it is very easy to see the brokenness in ourselves. Jesus is breaking apart piece by piece what the Pharisees are doing wrong by having faith in the wrong things and living their life in the wrong way. The Pharisees of this time, they were the religious leaders, so they were in charge of leading the people uh, at this time, leading the people astray by their messed up theology and leading them astray by living their lives for the wrong things by wealth and focusing on themselves. But hearing this and reading this, it is very easy to see that this is a problem in our culture today as well. I mean, if we look all around us in our everyday life, if you leave this place, we can see what people treasure and what they hold most valuable to themselves and in their life. But what we begin to see and show in this passage that Jesus is showing us that the treasures that we have are worthless compared to him. And the treasures that we should have should be in him. As believers, it is important for us to understand that this place is not our home. So everything that we have, everything that we see is temporary. We need to be prepared for eternity, not for tomorrow, next week, next month, or the years to come. So we need to start preparing for those moments. And we know this to be true in verses 19 and 20 because it says that what we treasure shows where our true love is. Jesus is teaching and showing us uh, the faults in the way that people have been living in this passage, prioritizing the treasures in their own life over Jesus. But he is teaching this also for us as well, to show light in our own lives and how we are not treasuring the correct thing. Verse 19 says again, "'Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth "'where moth and rust destroy, "'where thieves break in and steal.'" We see here Jesus is teaching us that everything on this earth is temporary again. This is the same as the context in the Bible in their time. This is the same for us today. So we can see that this is applicable and this is never changing. So we can trust in that. Our money, our clothing, our cars, our home will eventually be passed away and they will fade and they will not be for forever. Jesus is very direct in saying these things that on this earth that everything will be destroyed. But either rust, moth, or thieves will come in and steal it. Jesus says this, but we fail at this every single day. Finding earthly things that we possess and love, and when all these things, with all these things, we can know and trust that all these things will fade and pass away. How many times a day do you find yourself? thinking about or treasuring the idea of wealth after you graduate or maybe you have a very wealthy job now, I don't know, Um, marriage, your appearance, families, jobs, possessions, or just fill in the blank. I know for myself, I I get trapped in that idea all the time. If you don't believe me, you can ask my wife. I worry and anxious about money constantly um, because of the job situations that we're in. But these are serious idols that are in our culture today but if these are serious idols what is the solution how do we fix this Jesus tells us very clearly in verse 20 but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal Jesus tells us to lay our treasures in things that are permanent and never ending Jesus is really trying to hint and start the groundwork that he's talking about himself and talking about his character. These permanent things or heavenly treasures have already been shown in the Sermon on the Mount. But because we haven't been in this whole passage in the Sermon on the Mount starting in chapter 5, let me just explain to you what I'm talking about. A great theologian, the president of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, Danny Aiken, puts it this way and explains these treasures. He says, In the Sermon on the Mount, the actions that are specifically described as accumulating rewards or heavenly treasures include suffering persecution for Jesus' sake. We see this in Matthew 5, verses 12. Loving one's enemies, 5, verse 46. Generous gifts to the poor, 6 through Uh, chapter 6, 2 through 4, fervent and sincere prayer in chapter 6, verses 5 through 6, and humble fasting in verses 16 and 18 of chapter 6. Jesus says these things are worth treasuring. These are all things that are real and lasting value. And what's interesting, after seeing that list and seeing the list that I said before, they are vastly different. If I would ask you right now, I don't know if you all would say that I would think a treasure is suffering persecution. I don't think that most of us would say that or that'd be the first thing that would come to mind. So we have to ask ourselves in our life, where is our treasure located? Is it on earth or is it in heaven? Because verse 21 tells us very clearly where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So when I see this and I think about this, two passages come to mind immediately. Luke twelve sixteen through 21 and Matthew thirteen forty four. You don't have to turn there, they'll be on the screen, but Luke 12, 16 through 21 says, a rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I do not have anything to store my crops? I will do this. He said, I will tear down my barns and, big, and build bigger ones and store all my grain And my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, You have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, enjoy yourself. But God said to himself, You fool. This very night, your life demands of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? See, this, what Luke 12 is saying is very scary, but a clear example of what not to do. I mean, Jesus says your life demands of you right then and there. Whose do your possessions belong to? He knew that the man's treasures were not laid up for God. He knew that the man's treasures were solely for himself, selfishly. What we have to understand is see anytime that we love anyone or anything or treasure anything other than Jesus, we are committing spiritual adultery. We are cheating on him. Anything that we value or treasure more than Jesus himself and what he has done on the cross is adultery. But Jesus shows us a beautiful picture of how we are to treasure him and prepare for heaven. Matthew thirteen forty four says, The kingdom of heaven is like the treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. This man understood what the true treasure was. He understood that he was getting ready to store his eternal treasure up in heaven. He was treasuring Jesus, even though that he didn't realize it right then and there. But I understand that we have to have money. We have to have a job. We have to have a home to be able to live on this earth, to be able to make ends meet, to be able to get food. But please do not misplace the true treasure, which is Jesus Don't place those material objects, these earthly things, over what the true treasure is, and that is Jesus Christ. And I know Jesus' teachings are hard to understand. His teachings are hard to grasp and swallow. I mean, right now I'm teaching these things, and I'm super convicted because these are things, like I said before, that I am struggling with right now and I'm failing with daily. We are still called to pursue good over evil and to treasure Christ, not our earthly possessions. This can be extremely hard sometimes. With the craziness and the stress of the world and the way that the world is looking right now, um, it's hard. Christ is teaching us in these very next verses how to guard and protect ourselves from treasuring the wrong things. Verse 22 through 23 say that the eye is a lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light in you is darkness, how great is your darkness? Jesus is teaching something that is really confusing. I mean, if you look at what he was saying before, he was already talking about treasure. He was talking about earthly things and heavenly things. What in the world is he talking about with eyes being good of light and bad with darkness? And that's okay to not understand exactly what he is saying or to not fully grasp right away what he is meaning. We serve a God that is all knowing and surpassed everything that we could ever know and that's okay. To be able to go to his word humbly and know that there's gonna be times that you do not understand what he is saying is a beautiful thing. But what Jesus is doing here by being vague and what I think of what he's trying to do is trying to get us to think more about what he's actually trying to say kind of reading between the lines and looking more in depth i mean jesus again he was talking about earthly treasures and robbers and now he's talking about eyes and darkness and light but if we try to break this down a little bit more again let's look at verse 22 it says the eye is a lamp of the body so if your eye is healthy your whole body will be full of light this idea of light and darkness is literally repeated throughout all of scripture And when reading this, my mind immediately went to, okay, so if our eyes are the light into our body, we have to look at good things. And if we look at bad things, our body is gonna be immediately full of darkness and bad. So we have to protect our eyes from those things. Now, I don't think that that is necessarily wrong or uh, at a first look, a glance at that is not a bad thing to do. But again, Jesus is challenging us here and being vague to make us think a little bit more about what he's actually saying. Jesus was talking before about treasures, so we know that there is more to this than meets the eye. But again, I don't believe what I was saying is fully wrong. I just think he's meaning something a little bit more to align with what he was talking about before. A great theologian also, Charles Quarles, tries to help us understand this by saying, the good healthy eye is one whose focus is fixed on God and whose vision is not blurred by focusing on two objects at the same time, meaning God and possessions. So what he is saying here, our eyes should be single devotioned on Jesus Christ. We cannot serve him and we cannot serve our possessions at the same time. Because it says in verse 23, if your eye is bad, the whole body will be full of darkness. So when our greed and our selfishness kicks in and we decide to lay up treasures for ourselves. our our eyes are beginning to fill our bodies with darkness, separating us further and further from Christ. So we are to protect our eyes, but protecting them by having a single devotion for our heavenly treasure, that is meaning Jesus. Our eyes have to be focused on him constantly. We cannot have our heavenly treasures and have our toe in earthly world and their treasures at the same time. Verse 24 says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and you cannot serve money. Jesus wants us all to love him. Not some of us, he wants all of us. So either we serve him or we don't. It's just as simple as that. And when Jesus says we cannot serve money, I believe he is talking more than just money itself. Because you cannot serve God, you cannot serve yourself. I mean, you can literally replace the word with anything else in money. You cannot serve God and you cannot serve your spouse, you cannot serve your relationship, you cannot serve school, you cannot serve your job. Because when we do that, our world literally begins to start to crumble. We try to have control over everything, every aspect of our life. And whenever we do that, we are placing that over God. And if you haven't experienced that yet, it'll happen. I mean, I'm only 30 years old and I felt my world kind of crumble multiple times. And it's very easy to get beaten down and caught up in the what ifs and being filled with stress and worry and anxiety whenever you're trying to take control of your own life. I do this over and over again, knowing that it is wrong, knowing that I am to pursue Christ because he is in control and I am not. And what's beautiful in this next section in verses 25 to 34, we see that he is truly in control. Verse 25 and to the end of the chapter says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, Is not your life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into a barn, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow, and they neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O of you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall I eat or what shall I drink or what shall I wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and the heavenly Father knows that you need them all but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious about itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." Now I know that this is a big piece of scripture and I know that it is overwhelming and I know that it is a hard section. And honestly, sometimes this passage seems too good to be true. I mean, you see that is repeated over and over again. Jesus saying like, do not be anxious. And I know for at least me in my life, whenever somebody says, don't do this, what's the first thing you wanna do? You wanna go do it. Like I think back whenever I was a kid, my dad literally said at Christmas time, don't eat the whole pack of Reese cups. What did I do? I ate the whole pack of Reese cups. So it seems too good to be true. It's hard. But Jesus is telling us these things and telling us not to be anxious because he wants us to trust him. But even in this overwhelming scripture, in this section, I want us to rest in the beautiful truth that Jesus is showing us here, three of them. God will take care of our lives, God will take care of our needs, and God will take care of our future. And if we look at verses 25 through 32, we begin to see God saying just that, that he will take care of our lives and he will take care of our needs. And if you look at the very beginning, Jesus says, therefore, that therefore is a connection between what he was teaching before and what he is teaching now, getting us to look back and try to remember what Jesus has already taught. And I feel like whenever Jesus is saying this, he is saying like, therefore, look back, I'm enough. Look back, everything that you have, I will surpass that. I will blow past all of your expectations. And I feel like Jesus is kind of bursting at the seams because he knows what he is going to be doing. And we know because we have the whole Bible. We know the victory. We know that he is going to take our place and die on the cross for our sins. But I feel like he is really trying to say, because, therefore, because my father loved you so much, he sent me to die for you, to take your place, to die on the cross, but not only die, but to raise from the dead so that you can have eternal life. Because of that treasure of salvation, pursue me, store that up, eat it up. And all these earthly possessions will fade and be destroyed but not I, because I am eternal and I have defeated death and I have victory. I feel like that's what Jesus would say, but he is much patient, he is more patient than I am, so he probably isn't bursting at the seams, but he's probably wanting his people to understand like I am it. But it's because of this, because of everything that Jesus has been teaching us thus far about how our earthly treasures do not compare to his heavenly treasure, it's because of that that Jesus has the authority and the ability to say, Do not be anxious. We shouldn't be. And I wish that we could just stop there and say, That's it. It's that simple. Just don't be anxious. We can leave and go have a good time. But the beautiful thing is that we actually can. Jesus shows us that. We do not have to be anxious or let the earthly things consume us because he is in control and we are much more valuable than those things. God sent his son to die on a cross for us. If he was willing to trample on his son and kill him, how much more do you think that he will feed us, take care of us, and love us? Like he wouldn't kill his son and trample on his son if he wasn't going to take care of the very people that he sent his son to die for. Look at verse 30, where Jesus Jesus says, But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? So we see what I just said is to be true. Jesus loves us so much that he cares for even the grass and helps it to grow. And we are much more valuable than the grass, than the birds, everything that he has created. And what God is showing us here is that it's true. That Jesus is in control, that he is in control and what he is preparing, done and doing right now is the true treasure that we need to devote and store up for ourselves in heaven. Jesus is working here so hard to get to his disciples, to get the crowd to see and understand that he is it. And he's even getting us to see that here by reading his word. That he is the true treasure. And if we treasure our lives and not heavenly treasure, then that will lead to worry. It's as simple as that. Even though it is simple to understand that if we treasure earthly things over God it could lead to worry and we could become anxious about those things, we still need to understand that worry is a sin and anxiety is a sin. Because when worry and anxiety is present, unbelief is present as well. Jesus wants us to trust him. Because what he has to offer is far greater than anything that we could ever think of or anything that we could ever store up for ourselves here on earth. But Jesus wraps up this section and shows us that he will take care of our future as well. And what, I, what he does here, I believe he does such a beautiful job of connecting the two Really, sermons, because you could really divide up treasures in heaven and anxiety into two different sermons. But he shows us how to store up correctly the treasures in heaven in verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I love this so much. Not only does it connect the two passages together, but if you look at the word seeking, it is in the present imperative form. And this is the same form that whenever he says, do not be anxious. But what does that mean? He, this command is calling for us to be in continuous, constant action of seeking and fighting against anxiety. So this is something that we have to remind ourselves of daily and continue to fight against. Fighting against the anxieties of the world, destroying ourself, worry, and fighting for the kingdom. And seeking him. And as the band comes back up, in closing, I know that I have talked about truth after truth after truth, remembering to look at the three at the beginning, the three at the at the end. I want us to focus on one more, and I don't want us to miss it because it is the most important one. Jesus is the true and perfect treasure. And if you're in this room tonight and you do not know Jesus and you do not see that, please, I beg you not to leave tonight without talking to somebody about Jesus and what he has done for you. You can talk to the person that brought you. You can talk to the person next to you. You can talk to us on stage. You can talk to Dustin. Literally anybody in this room would love to talk to you about Jesus. Because everything in this world will bring worry and it will never be enough. You can look at your life and think, does this bring me joy? Does this bring me salvation? And the answer is no, if it is not Jesus. If you know me and you know that I love movies, a song comes to mind immediately that is from the movie The Greatest Showman. And the song says, all the shine of a thousand spotlights, all the stars we steal from the night sky will never be enough. Towers of gold are still too little. These hands could hold the world, but it will never be enough. Now, this song was not intended for church or a sermon, but we can easily see that that is true. Everything that we hold in our life, everything that we have in our life is never going to be enough. I've tried. I've tried to escape the world by filling it with something else that I can escape from, but it was never enough. But finally accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I can safely say and believe that He is enough. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have your life together to be able to accept Him and have Him as your treasure. So cast that all aside. Cast yourself at the cross. Cast your worry. Cast your treasures. Cast your sin. And take up the beautiful treasure of eternal life that Jesus offers us each and every day. Will you pray with me? Dear only Father, Lord, Lord, we're broken. We are broken people that sin against you every single day. We believe that we can take matters into our own hand, that we are in control and that we can do this on our own, but we can't. Lord, we desperately need you. We need you. And Lord, I pray that we would trust you, that you are in control and what you offer us is enough. God, that your son and what he did on the cross for our sin is enough. And, Lord, I pray if we do not see that tonight and there's people in this room that do not believe that, Lord, I pray that you would break them and break their heart for you each and every day until that there is nothing left but you. Lord, as we continue to worship, I pray that we would see you and that we would remember your word and that we would cast away our anxiety and cast away our treasures and treasure you and trust you. In Jesus' name, Amen.